Welcome to Pointed Questions. My name is Brent Weinbach. With me is Donnie Devanian. Our guest today is former sign language interpreter Moshe Kasher. We will be talking to him about ethics and webcamming on this episode of Pointed Questions. You always knew sign language since you were born. Oh, that's the first question? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, And because your parents were deaf. Yeah. Neither (laughs) of these are actually questions. So... But yeah, I was born to two deaf parents. So was sign language your first language? Well, it depends on what you mean. It depends on what you mean by uh, first language, you know? Like, what is your first language? Does your first language mean... I guess, what were you more fluent in first? Well, see, now you're asking both meanings at once, right? I was Mm going to say your first... I guess the question is like, is the first language the first one that you speak, or is it the one that you speak with most fluency? And I would never say that American Sign Language I'm more fluent in. Okay, did you... What did you speak more of when you were a kid? Definitely English. English, but I yeah. definitely signed before I could talk because all babies are capable of signing far before they can, not far before, but months before they can talk, which is why baby signs is such a popular parenting technique. So sign language was your first language, but ultimately English became your more dominant I guess tongue. so. Yeah. Definitely I, I could sign before I could talk. Which is like a year old, two years old? No, I was talking at three months old, full sentences and actually even writing prose. Uh, no, I, I don't know when you start talking. When do you start talking? I think a girl, maybe like 11 months. A guy, 13 months. <laughs> okay, and also 13 months. So did you... By the way, that was a deafening silence when I did that joke. It hurt. It, I believed you. It hurt. I was like, oh, I think you're wrong. <laughs> I just thought you made a mistake. So uh, would you say that because you started so early in sign language that you are... But you don't say you don't think you're just as fluent as you are in English now. No, but I am fully fluent in American Sign Language. And at certain points in my life, when I was more directly involved in in in, in sign language interpreting, um, I was more fluent then than I am now. Did you always think to yourself as a kid, I could do this as a job, or this Never. is something I can always fall back on? Never. No, when did I. You, when did that become apparent to you? No, I was. Um, I was. My first job, I was uh, 16 years old, and I was working as a bear mascot on UC Berkeley campus. You were uh, a bear mascot? Yeah. Uh, actually, not on campus. But I'm just sorry, how old were you? 16. Uh-huh. I was just off campus on a store called Bear Basics. Do you remember that place? I think so, yeah. yeah. I do remember that, yeah. So I would dress in a bear costume, and I, would, I was like a raver at the time. And so I would go, I would stay up, all, I only worked Saturdays and, Saturdays and Sundays. So I would go to a rave all night the night before, and I would often get to work with having not slept. Yeah. So I put this bear costume on. I was a smoker at the time. Uh-huh. I would smoke Newports, and I would drink. Did you a, smoke it inside the costume? Well, okay. I know this. Is, we're not talking about mascot work here, but uh, <laughs> the when I first started the job, I had a, a what you're thinking of, like a big head, head, and it was awful. I mean, it's terrible. So hot fur. I was like inhaling fur. I would have to take the hat off to smoke, head off to smoke, and like rest it akimbo on the top of my head, and uh, it was really bad. But then I went and I like talked to the management, and I had a bear, a little cute bear costume fabricated that cut my face out, and I like it was, I was pretty proud of myself. I like went and got a little cute. You made it yourself. No, I like went to a costume shop as a part of my job yeah. duties. And uh, anyway, I you was, got reimbursed. I got reimbursed. Yeah, <laughs> I got my money back, and uh, I would smoke and like you know kids would be like mommy why is a bear smoking and like 
you know, I'd be did like, you say that you were smoking the bear? I did say that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe to myself. Mm-hmm. Although, and then I was drink. anyway, that was my employment. Right. And then my, well, mo- and why did you have that job? How did I you just, get that? My friend worked in the stock room and, uh, he said, we're looking for a bear. N- yeah. Cause I was like kind of, of a gregarious teenager, you know? And so she was like, Oh, you'll be perfect for this. Come in, do the bear job. And actually a funny story. I then got a job doing stocking downstairs. Right. Which was more of like a dignified job. You know, you're like, putting price tags on and vintage. you still insisted on wearing the bear outfit no i i but no on the weekends i was doing the bear thing right yeah and uh eventually i did get fired from the stocking job and he was like well we would like you to stay on as the bear <laughs> <laughs> well we love your bear work yeah i think yeah. you're one of the best bears we've had <laughs> and so that was what i was doing that was for like 650 an hour and my mom came to me and said uh, my mom was working at uh at laney college a, mm. a community college in oakland she was one of the heads of the thing called the, the deaf can program. Uh, and it's an adult education program for reentering deaf students into the community college system. And she said, you should come and uh, interview to be a sign language interpreter because you know sign. And I was like, I'm completely uninterested. Like I have zero interest in doing that. Mm. She was like, Oh, well they start you at 1350 an hour. And I was like, I'm very interested. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Cause at the time that was like a lot of money. Right. That was double more than yeah. double what I was making. Uh, and just was a fraction it? of what you would make eventually, right? Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not a just. I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. So I went and I uh, and I interviewed for that job. Yes. Well, well I quick want you question. to ask some questions. Quick. But the oh, interview was interesting. No, you go. Okay. Before you get to the interview, um, as a bear, yeah. and when you were had the head on too, the big head. Yeah. You're a silent character. You're not speaking, yeah. right? So were you actually no, that's subconsciously not true. employing sign language techniques as a bear? No, that's not really bear? true. I think because I, I did talk, you know. You talk with the big head on. You can talk, yeah. Oh, really? I will say this, and I won't get into the specifics, but um, as a person in a bear costume passing out flyers, there is a direct racial breakdown of the way people interact with the flyer and the bear. I mean... I'm not interested in saying what the different races did, but like I could draw you a chart of like, here are the people that never speak to you. This, here are the people that do. Here are the people that take the, it was like really bizarre from a sociological perspective. Or Okay, but the, the physicality of it had nothing to do with No, nah, there was no death. There's no correlation. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a physical person on stage and I do a lot of gesticulation and I think that is connected to my sign language. Sign language so. and thus perhaps the bear was a little bit. Okay, because Brent, you, are being you know what? Fine. I did a lot of deaf mime in the bear costume. <laughs> uh-huh. If that's the okay. way you want it, fine. That's the answer I was looking for. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay, so you go to the interview. What happens? So the interview is interesting because the head of the interpreting program at Laney College was a deaf blind woman. And she went blind later in life. Or no, She's she went, the one who interviewed you. She interviewed me. Okay. She went deaf later in life. That's what it was. She was always blind. She went deaf later in life. And she would interview you through tactile sign language, which is where, you know, like Helen Keller vibes. You know, you, wow. put, you put your hand in, on, in her hand when I dip, she dips, we dip. Wow. And, uh, and you would sign in her hand, and that's how she would determine what level. Was that, how, was that comfortable for you? Have you ever done that before, tactile not, signing? Not really. No, not really. What was, that, was it easy for you to understand what she was signing? Um, in well, doing she it in her hand. Well, she wouldn't sign to me in tactile Right, sign she language. wouldn't have to do that. Right. I would mm-hmm. just see her signing, and she yeah. could actually talk perfectly. Right. Because she went she, deaf later. Exactly, so yeah, her, okay. But uh, I would 
sign into her hands. And I mean, did you when you were signing in her hands, did it feel like you didn't have enough room to do the gestures? It can be a little awkward and heavy, but I mean, hey, it worked, I guess. Did it? Was there anything about that that felt intimate? It's definitely more intimate than signing to a person, mm -hmm. for sure. Also, we made out. <laughs> yeah, which d didn't feel intimate. No, but it's definitely more, for sure, that's a more intimate experience than uh, than uh, that woman I remember early into my job there went on a vacation to Hawaii. I remember thinking to myself like, I know this is very ignorant, but I'm like, what is she getting out of a vacation to Hawaii? Like, what does she do? Why Hawaii? And also, why not just start like a travel agency for blind and deaf where you just put people in a van for 17 hours, put a lay on them and be like, well, I'm going to Hawaii. Or put them in a room with like a hot lamp and, you know, some sounds. It is interesting though, if, you're if you have two of your major senses taken away, like, I really am curious. I'd actually like to ask her, like, what is a vacation for? What are you doing? She probably can feel the environment. Feel right? the sand and feel the lap sand. in the waves or something. Warm wind. Warm wind, though? The, the water, the water's probably warmer and nicer yeah. or something, right? People it's, are in a good mood in Hawaii, you know? The weather's just, know? The weather's probably nicer. Vi energy. Yeah, the energy. I mean, there's no question on some daredevil shit that she probably, like, energy, she can probably feel that more than your average bear. Just out of curiosity, was she, um, how old a woman was she? She's probably 50. Was she attractive in what any way? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't say she was attractive. You As think a 16-year-old boy, though, did you feel any kind of... Horniness? Weird, weird feeling, you know, signing inside of her hand? No, I, was a, I wasn't, I was like a developed 16-year-old boy. Uh -huh. I had had sex oh, okay. with, with people that were my age. Okay. So I was able to hold a woman's hand without getting an erection. Oh, very good, Moshe. <laughs> but, uh, so um, anyway, you got the job. I got the job, and my first job was pretty easy. I, was a, I sat in a, I was at a, for a welding. So you started doing this even as a 16-year-old. I was 16, you yeah. Weren't even, this is like a part-time job kind of a thing. Uh, yeah, it was kind of always a part-time job, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. It, uh, well, I'm, that no, is to say... There was a, it was a full-time job at one point, no? I never worked a 40... I don't think I've ever worked a 40-hour week in my life until I well, got to Well, because like the money was so good. The That's money was good, and also you didn't quite work 40-hour weeks like that. Mm -hmm. it, it, that would have been very intense. Mm -hmm. But my, yeah, it was, it was my only job, for sure, for a long time. And so, um, but you were probably doing it even more part-time when you were in, in your teens, probably. Yeah, that's yeah. true, because I was, you know, still raving and, and doing my and thing. And also doing school, too. No, no, I was out of school. Well, you eventually went to college. Yeah, that's true. Eventually, I did go to college, and then, yeah, I would be part-time yeah. working, part-time in college, yeah. So, you, what was your first job like? My first job, I, was, I worked at a, at a, weld, a welding class, and uh -huh. there was very little for me to do. There, uh, you know, the the woman I was interpreting for would go weld for a while, and if she had any questions, she would come and ask me to interpret for her and the teacher. Did you like the job immediately, or did you not like it at first, or did, or did you grow to like it? Did you ever like it at one point? Yeah, I liked it. It was a great it's job. Fun? Is it fun to do? It can be fun, and it can be very boring. There's a lot of um, downtime. What do you prefer, the one where you're interpreting somebody's lecture or something like that, or when you're doing phone calls? I'll tell you what I prefer, as I got more and more into sign language interpreting, what I would request is the higher level, the more advanced the subject matter, the better. I'd always rather do graduate school than college, and college than high school. Why? Because I felt stimulated by it. So you kind of learned something too while you were interpreting? I wouldn't say that, no. But I just felt like it was more substantive and I was able to like really engage mentally. Like, you know, so 
eventually what started to happen is that I, I transferred from the community college where I was just doing classes for students. I would sit at the front. I and would, they're kind of remedial classes. Um, were they? Yeah, those classes were because they were all through the DEFCAN program who were people that were reentering uh, uh, community college. So they were, mm-hmm. well, the, the, the welding class wasn't remedial. Yeah, right. But it was like I was kind of superfluous. I didn't, she just would come out when she had a specific question about something she was doing right or doing wrong. Uh, but then, yeah, the academic classes tended to be a little bit lower, like remedial level classes. So it was a little boring. But then the next thing that happened was that I started uh, freelancing, which is by, which is the bulk for many years until I started doing uh, the phone calls that you were referring to. Uh, that is the bread and butter of sign language interpreters is uh, freelance interpreting. Like there are jobs out there. There are people that are like full-time at the Department of Vocational Rehab or full-time at a college or whatever. But 90% of interpreters are uh, are working freelance, which means they're gig by gig. You get, uh, you know, you get sent to a doctor's office. You get sent to a college class, you know. Oh, so sometimes you get sent to more intimate environments. They're not Definitely. just not just a public gathering they're just a one-on-one thing totally a job interview a job interview too a job interview court cases court cases are kind of the highest level but uh yeah it's hospitals um therapy appointments rehabs any literally any place that a person could go that they would need to talk to someone i've probably been and and including performances sometimes you'd get there and you'd go oh no this is like a this is like a performance that i'm supposed to interpret and okay so lots of questions the when it came to say graduate school classes mm-hmm. or things like that, higher level kind of classes, did you have to have a, a wider vernacular when you were interpreting in, si- in those in classes? In sign language, in Is sign language, yeah. Did you have yes. to have a good vocabulary in sign language to deal with those classes, yes. or better vocabulary than the other ones? Yes, and, but yeah. Well, did you did you have to try to parallel the level of speech that they the those instructors were using? compared to maybe, you know, something else? Were you trying to match that as 100, far as... A hundred, a hundred How do you do that? That's, in fact, part of the, the job and, and, like, part of the most complicated part of the job. Those are... Uh, I, I think I'm going to forget one of your questions, so let me say that... I'll, I'll answer your first one first. In terms of having a higher vocabulary when you go into a graduate school or a high-level class, absolutely, yes, you do need that. But... Uh, Sign, American Sign Language is a, is a fluid language in a way that uh, in a way that English isn't, mm-hmm. right? And not every word in English. English is one of the most verbose. I don't know if that's the right word, but the most you know vocabulary uh, heavy languages in the world. Actually, right? Mm-hmm. There's a word for so many things, and sign language is very, I would say, very low on that on that spectrum of like, um, you know, there is a word for everything. There's not a word for everything. So, but what sign language has that almost no language has is that it's got this fluidity and ability to adapt. And so, um, when there would be a high level word like, you know, anti disestablishmentarianism or whatever, let's say that word was being used a lot, right? Um, during that, during that lecture, uh, what, one of the things that you would do, what does anti disestablishmentarianism mean? I picked a word I don't even know the, the meaning of. No, we'll go to Donnie. He, he, we'll go to Donnie for that okay, one. Okay, Donnie. I'd rather not handle this one. <laughs> more comfortably. Yeah. Let's let's check in with Aaron on that one. Aaron. <laughs> okay, Aaron. Doesn't okay, anti disestablishment. I mean, just cancel the negatives. It means, I guess, established, uh, being established. 
<laughs> okay. It's it's the philosophy of establishment. So okay. I don't know. No, right? let's anti say let, it's anti disestablishmentarianism. That whatever. That's too highfalutin of a word. Let's say it was something like um like anarchy, right? The lecture was on anarchy. Now, there's not, as far as I know, a sign for anarchy, although if there are a group of deaf anarchists, they might have made one up for it. Mm -hmm. So either uh, I, had a, I would have a couple choices. Today's lecture is about anarchy. And I would either say to the student, I would spell out the word anarchy, A-N-A-R-C-H-Y, right? Or something like that. I hope I did it right. And then I would say today's lecture is about anarchy. I'd spell it out. And then I would sort of establish a sign for the rest of the afternoon, which would be just maybe an A or maybe a or maybe an A in the air, right? Like, because that's got, because there is a sign for like black power, which is like your fist in the air, or rebellion, which is a fist, it's a, a take on the black power thing, so a fist in the air. So maybe I would do that with the letter A and say, okay, we'll call this anarchy for the for the hour. And people who read these, uh, they they get this quick, very quickly. That Oh, it would it would be a negotiation. I would say to the person, does that, that, that work for you, this sign for anarchy? And they would go, oh yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of the class, I wouldn't have to spell the word anarchy. I would just do the A in the air and they'd go, they would know we're talking about anarchy. If I left that class and found another deaf person and said, do you want to participate in some political anarchy and did that sign? They'd be like, I don't right. know what that sign means. But that's sort of how sign language works is it's so fluid. And okay. That so, you start to develop specific languages within it just between the people that you're dealing with in the moment and the conversation you're dealing with so for example if okay the lecture on anarchy well i had the a in the air and he says so here's one of the great battles of the early spanish anarchists right and they, they would say you know there's a great group of people on one side of a field and there was a small group of people on the other side of the field right uh, and the the great group surrounded the the smaller group and rushed in like a, a and destroyed them. So I could I could follow the lecturer's words word for word, but that wouldn't be American Sign Language. That would be a translation of English in, into into signs, right? If I said there was a great group, I'm signing each word. There's a word for group that yeah, I could do that. But no, that's not American Sign Language. What American Sign Language would do is I would establish using literally gestures and what they call classifiers, I think it's called. And I would just say, okay, there's a big group, right? And there's a large field. So I'm making the, with my hands right now, I'm, making, I'm, I'm sort of establishing where the group is. And then I kind of draw a field with my hands, right? And then I say, and then in the middle, there's a small group. And I make a little teeny group with my hands. And I would say, the big group surrounded the small group and then Right? So that, uh, you guys can't see it who are listening, but what I did was I made the big group sort of, I gesticulated that the group surrounded the smaller group and then I made them kind of run with my fingers toward the smaller group. So that is American Sign Language. That's not like me, that's how it works. And you were just now interpreting your sign into English. What do you mean? Well, by describing what you were doing with your fingers Right, that's true. I guess I was. So you're, going, you're fluid back and forth. So that is, but that's straight up American Sign Language. And that's what's so cool and interesting about sign language is like when you get up to an area where they're describing something visual, you stop using vocabulary and you start using pure sign. You keep on referring to it as that's what's cool about American Sign Language is are other countries' sign language different in that sense? I don't, I actually don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. The most commonly asked question to me about sign language is, is sign language international? Well, certainly there's a reason why it's called American Sign Language, totally. right? But and uh, in fact, I guess when you were saying how American Sign Language is so fluid in that way that you can stop using words exactly and kind of start to gesture things, does that exist in other 
My guess, countries. I don't know, but my guess would be that yes. I mean, that's the, so it's not so it's not just particular to American Sign Language, but you don't, don't know. But, I don't know. Yeah. I only know American but Sign so Language. But so you're to play it safe. You're saying American. no. I'm not I mean, saying just because that's what you're sure. No, I'm not saying American Sign Language as opposed to other forms of sign language. I'm saying the language that I know is yeah. ASL. It's right. American Sign Language. Right. That's the only reason I'm using. And that. Have you ever dipped into other countries? Sign language. Um, I my cousin is an Israeli sign language interpreter. Uh-huh. So he knows she, ISL. She knows ISL. Uh-huh. Yes, oh, and yeah. it is called ISL. Oh, it is. And by the way, the, on the question of u- the universality of sign language, um, British sign language is completely different than American sign language. How, do you know how? I mean, no. I know one way. Um, in in. I mean, like for example, you know, you might sign French fries here, but they sign chips there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's exactly like that. Okay, that's what I thought. But no, like, um, well, American Sign Language, by the way, didn't come from British Sign Language. It came from an amalgamation of French Sign Language. So there was a Martha's Vineyard in, uh, where's Martha's Vineyard? Donnie, I'll go to the U on that. Aaron? Aaron? It's on the East Coast. East, it is on the East it Coast, is. that I know. Yeah. Uh, so now it's like a f- highfalutin fancy place in Massachusetts. We got the information from Aaron. Uh, where rich people party or whatever. But at one time in history, uh, Martha's Vineyard had an incredibly high population of deaf people. It had like a third of the people were deaf there because of a specific genetic inbreeding situation that was happening. So what happened was um, all the deaf people signed. But this is before the establishment of American Sign Language, right? Before, So, so si- American Sign Language doesn't exist yet. No, what exists is like each deaf community, each deaf family, each deaf person will kind of make up a, a version of like home signs they call it this is when this is history you know all of history before they establish these languages right um i mean i don't know i think this is the the 1700s i I could be wrong about that but anyway but uh martha's vineyard because there's so many deaf people and they all you know had like a a a, they call it pigeon sign language it's like a pigeon language that they had created in their little group they all signed to each other, but there's so many of them that the hearing people also knew some signs and knew, and some people were fluent in that sign language. Then there was a guy named Laurent Clerc, who was a French man, Frenchman. Uh, so he said French fries, and uh, he'd never even heard of a chip. Yeah. And he came to America and saw uh, um, Martha's Vineyard pigeon sign language, and he kind of meshed it and melded it with French sign language, which did exist at that point. And so the sign language that you see deaf people in America speaking now is really a mixture of Martha's Vineyard, uh, you know, native-born pigeon sign and French sign language, which is why it's totally disconnected from British sign language. That's not, there was no How connection. How did a French man do that? How did a French man do what? Why did he get involved with this? He came to America, and he was a deaf educator. And uh, yeah, so I guess it, why? Yeah, that's so. It's interesting that not an English person. It wasn't connected to English, England, English. I don't know why. Well, England, British yeah. sign language, yeah, not British English. Language, yeah, because I don't know why no British person came over and did that how, work. When how was, long has sign language existed uh, in other countries? I mean, probably pigeon sign language or established. Well, I guess pigeon sign language has existed forever since, since, since there were deaf people, cavemen. You know, yeah. but um, but I guess official languages, right? I don't know the answer. Well, I guess the question is also: has, Was did British sign language officially exist before American sign language? I don't know the answer okay. to that either. Mm-hmm. I would assume so. It feels like a yes, but I really don't know. Um, so, 
in other words, you know, a deaf person meeting a British person or a French person would probably have an easier time communicating. Oh, an American deaf person would probably have an easier time communicating with a French deaf person than a British deaf person. So what was the name of the French man? Laurent Clerc. So he's a very important person in American Sign Language. Big figure. Yeah. That's interesting. He, wow. a big figure. So he started American Sign Language, and that's what it's called. Does it mean that because he's French and, well, that's a Latin thing but where england england you know british english is well it's germanic right right is there more latin kind of elements to no. american sign language you're doing you're you're particip- i applaud you for not asking if sign language is universal but you're still and there's no offense uh a fucking idiot uh <laughs> no and no offense um no you're still locked into I think, which is very natural for hearing people that don't know sign language, the idea that sign language is somehow connected to the to the root language. By the way, it's not disconnected, but it's not as connected. It's certainly not a Romance language or a mm-hmm. Latin language, American sign language or French sign language for that matter. It's not connected to French in that way. Uh, you know, a lot of deaf people would take umbrage to the idea that I think that it is connected, like that American sign language is connected to English at all. They would straight up be, they would think that that was actually kind of an offensive mm-hmm. uh, thing to say. But it doesn't make sense to me it's not connected at all because the alphabet we use when we don't have a sign for something is the, is the, the Roman, Roman alphabet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, A is A. It's, yes. not, it's not some abstracted thing. A right. is A. And so when I need to sign out a microphone, I sign microphone. I was just realizing I'm not sure I could sign microphone if put on the spot. M-I-C. Yeah, anyway, you know. Why? Because you R-O-P-H-O-N-E. don't know how to spell microphone. Yeah, is that good, right? So yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. not, if you're bad at English spelling, then you might be bad at ASL spelling. Of course, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so wait, you had asked another question. I answered well, the thing about I mean, high level vocabulary. It might be lost at this point, and that's fine. Dang. But I liked one it. question I also had that I didn't ask was um, when you were signing um, performances. Yeah. Did that make it so you had to perform as well? Well, it is connected to your other, to your other question, okay. which is, did you have to match your affect to the speaker? Okay, yeah. And that's exactly that's and, and it is con- connected to what you're saying. Exactly. Yes. When I am at a performance, it's inappropriate for me to be sitting there and signing like very, uh, you know, uh, co- blandly. I guess. Yeah, or blandly just, and non uh, uh, non subtly or non performatively. So but you it's have also to be louder a, with your. You gestures. have to be louder, and there's something called. Damn it! I, it's been a long time, but. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but there, I think it's register or something. There's an there's a field of sign, right? Like so, uh, generally, generally the sign language that you see, uh, you picture it in your mind. A deaf person that you see on the street is signing in the area in front of their face, like you know here. But if they're giving a lecture, their field of sign becomes a lot bigger, becomes like almost a poster size in front of mm-hmm. them, and they're signing out here because they're speaking. It's almost like. Um, they're projecting in a way, but yeah. uh, and also the sophistication of the of the language goes up in, in in octaves, and so. But by the way, it's a scary balance because when you get to a performance, you know we've all seen those um, those videos of like the the sign language interpreter uh, interpreting for the rap group. You know, I find those kind of annoying, but um, there is something that you, you you do want to like perform the thing, but you don't want to try to like be the performance. <laughs> You know, like that's a real careful balance. Like they get lost in the performance and or they, they just steal the show. Start making it about them, you know, start right. making it about their interpreting. And it's like, it's not, it's about, it's about the performer and they should be looking and getting the experience of the performance through you, not you're the performance. If the performer makes a sad face, do you have to make a sad face? 
And if they're frowning, do you frown? Well, again, that's like really about nuance. Like if the performer all of a sudden switches, you know, if they like, if it's a slam poem, you know, and they're like, my joy was my boy, you know, and so you got to be my joy. You're like doing this big thing. And then all of a sudden in the poem, they go, and then he died of that AIDS. My signing has to like, <laughs> my signing has to like pop down into a sad affect, but I shouldn't go like, and I've seen it. Are you okay? Brent? Brent's really laughing. I don't know. I don't know if I misheard something or if I, I think I heard it right, but that was funny. Um, but then you got to, but I've seen a lot of interpreters who like do too much and it's really annoying. And, and by the way, uh, usually people can tell, like the audience can usually tell, go, ugh, that person was annoying. So you've seen s- uh, sign language interpreters and you have been annoyed by them. Cringe. Yeah. yeah. So if it's like my boy it has AIDS, my thing has that AIDS. I my thought you said, w- by the way, but then he died of that AIDS. Yeah, I did, you did say, say that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to match a. I'm tr- I'm doing affect matching. I'm trying to match a slam poetry affect. But like my thing, if that happened, is I would get very serious. <laughs> you okay? Carry on. I would get very serious, and I would my face would drop, and I would say, in a very serious, solemn way. But then my boy died of that AIDS. But I would see some interpreters go like, you know, their faces would be like. And their signs would be more like, and then my boy died of that age. Right. And it's like, ew, dude. Well, what wait are a you second. Doing? Are they? But are they matching the intensity of the performer, or are they over? They're overdoing it. They're actually more intense than the performer. That's the complicated and difficult thread you have to weave with interpreting. Is you're really supposed to match affect, but you're not supposed to make the, it a performance where you're showing off. You, it's very delicate. Well. Is it okay if they're not as in- if they are pretty intense, but they're not as intense as the as the performer? I would say that it's almost better because, like, right. you're not trying to be the performer. You're trying to to give the give give. You're trying to give the person watching an experience of the performer while looking at the performer who's performing and you who's tr- right. who's interpreting it. And that's why they call it interpreting and not translating. I think mm. it's like it's your job. And it's very it's a big responsibility to interpret what's happening. There's real world consequences to it, by the way. Um, like when you're interpreting at a job interview, right? And you come in, and the person who you're interpreting for, the deaf person you're interpreting for, is super inappropriate and uh, unprofessional. Your your instinct, because you're there with a deaf person, you want them to get a job. Your instinct would be to kind of like clean up their language a little bit, right? You know, and make them seem a little bit like better than they are. Edit them a little bit, just a little bit. You want to like, you know, but in reality, a job interview is there so that the, the interviewer can find out whether or not the person they're interviewing has the professional skills necessary to hire them. So it's inappropriate to do that editing. So what you have to do is had you, you ever done that, made someone look better than they were? N- no, I don't think I've done that did you ever make someone look worse no, no certainly that's not that's a joke but they i don't i might have i might have fallen victim i mean i'm human and i might have fallen victim to like uh he looked like he needed a job really bad or she looked like she needed a job it's, really it's badly. possible that i've like you know corrected it by five percent where i shouldn't have but most yeah. of the time what i would try so that's to an do ethical issue that comes up a that's lot. a that's an ethical breach if you do that mm-hmm. yeah it's an and there's a whole code of ethics for sign language interpreting. Uh, the Registry of Interpreters for the Deaf has a code of ethics, and that is the that is big bit, that's the big thing that people talk about, it's the code of ethics. And yet, interpreting, as you said, is a little bit of a subjective sort of job. And so, 
Right. If it wasn't, maybe it wouldn't need a code a of ethics. a little bit of an issue, too, when it comes to the ethics as well, right? Well, no. I think when you get to... That's why you have certification. You get certified mm-hmm. because, in other words, what you're getting certified when you get your license, uh, what you're, you're getting certified as someone that is capable of negotiating those sticky parts of sign language interpreting, which is why it's a complicated job. It Was it hard to get certified? It is very difficult to get certified. You weren't certified when you got that first job at the college, right? That's right. So there's interpreters that are working without certification all over the industry. And uh, and that's bad, but it's also like there's many more interpreting jobs than there are interpreters. And, you know, I always want a certified interpreter when I go, when I'm dealing with my mom. <laughs> you know, if an certi- uncertified interpreter shows up to a doctor's appointment with my mom like i've been in the emergency room and people show by the way certification there's a lot of bad interpreters even with certification even with certification is the process is hard to get certification very difficult when did you decide you wanted to get certified and why um i for so for a long time i was not a certified interpreter and i finally decided to get it because i would get paid more and um and i thought at a certain point when i was young i was like maybe i'll do this permanently for a living like for the rest of my life and that's the the path you have to take is to get certified eventually i think Mm -hmm. i mean you don't have to but it's kind of like at a certain point to get certified do you have to go to a class so certification has like uh has two different elements to it one is a a written test that you take on the code of ethics and the other one is a performative test that you literally interpret over on video and they certify you yes or no or whatever is it a long process it's difficult for sure did you ever fail it the first time i did not fail it no was that because you just were so skilled at it already yeah i mean mm-hmm. people in my position are but even the ethical thing i guess you wouldn't have been you would you couldn't have had training on that I no guess, you prior. could take the ethical test though oh anyone can i mean what I'm saying is you could pass the ethical test. You just study information and then you take a test. It's just a test. Oh, you had to study though for it. Yeah. And I happened to pass it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have failed it, but I didn't, you know, right. but the, the performance thing is like, well, you know, people who are like me who have deaf parents are like, you know, an interesting group within uh, sign language interpreting because we are native speakers and most of them aren't. And there's a weird uh, resentment around people, uh, other, other people, people that have deaf parents and also respect there's like a both thing and a lot of deaf people when you get there and you tell them that i'm uh, i'm a coda which is what they call themselves a child of deaf adult they are like really put at ease they're very happy the deaf person they're like oh good i got a coda great i love that mm-hmm. um they need they need a coda they what do you mean they depend on a coda i don't get it i don't know it sounds like coda like short for coda oh they're coda for coda yeah, yeah. they're coda for coda um so you know, a coda also, though, has like, I would say often has professionalism issues. Not often, but more often than the people that come into the industry through like a school feeder program that are like, they're all, all they know is the professional side of things. Uh, people like me often have like real ethical problems because they're like, they, you know, first of all, they see deaf people as like family. Yeah. So they're a lot more likely to do the like editing up. Right. You know? And second of all, like, they're not professionals. They're just like some dude that got the job because he happened to be really linguistically skilled. And being fluent in American Sign Language is not the same as being able to interpret American Sign Language, although it's there's a lot of overlap. So there's a lot of politics in this world. Oh, my God. Big time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, it, yet, yet, and then would you say that because it's this interpretive thing as opposed to a tr- translation kind of situation? Yeah. Would you say that sign language interpreting is 
an art or a craft or both? Or would you say it's an art? Um, no, I wouldn't call it an art, but it's more it, it, than it, yeah. it's more than a translation is a science, right? It seems that's a craft. Well, actually, no. Oh, you know what? It's more like it's more like if you were translating Neruda from Spanish to English, right? You're not going to translate it word for word. You're gonna you're gonna reconfigure it to give over the poetics of Neruda yep. and. That what is that translate? Is that an art? It's something like a right. I don't well, know what it is because there's that subjective aspect to it. it there's something artful about it, I guess. Yeah, there's art, artistic it, yeah. about it. It's more creative than it than than. Well, certainly scientific. translations of books are definitely there's, you know, you there is an art to that. But there's also a billion ethical issues. So you've got your like linguistic thing. But do that's, you think about the the political issues a lot? What do you mean these days? Well, did you in the past? Um, I took my job seriously. So that was going through your head a lot, the, all the politics? You know, I was in an interesting position because I was, um, I was a CODA, but I was also somebody that took the ethical concerns of the industry kind of seriously because I thought they were meaningful, but up to a point. I'll tell you a, a crazy factoid so, uh, or anecdote. So years after I started freelance interpreting, uh, but there's a lot of good stories there. But um, I, webcam technology was developed. And did you not want to go there yet? I mean, I'm very interested in that. A lot of questions, but go ahead. Well, whatever. Okay. Okay. So webcam technology was invented, but I don't want to leave out all the cool things that happened in freelancing. But We could jump back and forth. Sure. Not great. A big deal. Um, but they, as a result of that, they started this thing called video relay service. So, you know, there used to be... Uh, Text-based relay services, which is how I would call my mother growing up. I would, I would dial, I I would call a number. An operator would pick up. I would give that person the phone number to call. They would have a like a mo a text-based modem. They would call my mother, and they would in, they would not interpret but read the text on the. So your mother was just typing. My mother was just typing. Now there's another interesting ethical implication just of that, which is let's say my most deaf people are not savvy users of the English language. Uh, a lot of them have broken language, broken English. And if you, you know, if you read one of my mom's texts who has a master's degree, you would kind of think like this person's mentally like off or something. If you read just her text, cause you know, it's this funky, weird language. And my mom's at the high level of deaf people. You know, there's a lot of deaf people that are extremely undereducated whose English is like a straight up, like a caveman, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. so, but whose sign language might be really g perfectly good. They're fluent in sign language, right? And um, so my mom with a master's degree calling somebody that she wants to get a job from, that person is going to, and then there's an operator reading the text of her English, is the person who's hiring is going to be like, oh, this person's like stupid. I'm going to, or I'm not going to have time to like train a, 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 a mentally um, challenged person to do this job. When in fact, if there was an interpreter interpreting it, my mom would sound how she sounds, super So educated. the operators didn't even know anything about sign language no. at all. So they're just strictly just reading texts. They and they're not even told to perhaps try to interpret those texts to make them sound a little more... They're, not only they're not told to, they're not qualified to. You know, they don't know how to do that. That's mm -hmm. not something, what, what could they do? Read this and go, oh, I can tell that the person typing this is actually more sophisticated than this English is making them sound, right? They don't know that. Even if they knew, even if they knew, knew how to do that by text, you just couldn't know. Mm -hmm. So 
the beautiful thing about webcams was all of a sudden they created a video relay where an interpreter like me would pop up on the, the computer screen of the deaf person and would be able to read whether, where the deaf person was coming from and see what linguistic level that person was at, then call an employer and give over a call that would suggest some sophistication or the lack thereof to based on the, the person on the phone. Okay. So the whole idea behind that, the whole reason that the federal government funds video relay which is why it became this huge industry almost overnight because once they created the webcams then the federal government was like oh we have to pay for this because of the ada the equal americans with disabilities act which says that all disabled people should have equal access to ever to stuff right so the federal government started paying a crazy amount of money so did every deaf person get a webcam they because could get one for free for from free. The, from the private companies that were working for the government because the government was paying so much the government was paying something like two hundred dollars a minute to uh, the, uh, a logged minute. And then, you know, that would trickle down. So they had like a lot of money. So if you were a deaf person, you're like, I want a webcam. They come to your house. They would install a webcam. They'd set up the whole thing so that you could start making What that. did the private companies get out of it? Money. From who? From the government. Oh, from the government. Federal government was paying private companies like $200 a minute to make these calls. Why was the government doing this? Because of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Okay. Which says that all people with disab- disabilities need to have equal access to communication or equal access to things that hearing people can get. Hearing people can make a phone call. They should be able to make a phone call, right? And the fact that sign language is more equal than the text, which puts them at a disadvantage, means that there's a need for it. Okay. So one of the rules of that is that, um, is that everything has to be like a hearing person would experience it, right? Wait, would they get free internet as well? No. No. So you had to use your own internet. You had to use your own internet. Uh-huh. That's right. But uh, in the beginning, it was pretty slow internet, right? Well, no, not when there was webcams. Okay, so webcams, it was fast enough that this exactly. was fine. Okay, go ahead. It was like, exactly. When the technology caught up to the ability to do this is when it like exploded. So one of the rules of that is that deaf people have to be given equal access to things that hearing people would be given access to, good and bad, right? So you can't, so for example, you can't like uh, shield them from a, from a f- telephone scam, right? And um, wow. to the and that's the way these scams work, right? Nigerian scam, right? They go after you, then you get savvy to it, and then they plink down the ladder of uh, of uh, vulnerability until they get to a population that will still be fooled by their scam, right? So first they go with you, then you're like, oh, I know what this is. This is one of those Nigerian calls. Then they go to old people, and then even they get savvy, and then they go down to like people like the deaf and disabled. Mm. So. So there's this big meeting at this company that I worked for where they were like, look, you have to interpret the, the Nigerian phone calls accurately and faithfully because they are exactly the kind of thing that a hearing person would have to deal with, right? And uh, that you have to do it. You have to participate in what you know to be a scam. Ooh, yeah. That is very interesting. It's yeah. crazy. Like you have to. And you did. I did not. Why and how? I wouldn't. I, I refused. Oh, you refused to? I could have done one more. I mean, in fact, well, it's where like the rules or the ethics of an industry like hit like actual morality. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, the law says you have to do this faithfully. But I know that that's wrong. I don't care about the FCC and their laws. Like, yeah, but this went against the code of ethics that you that's right. agreed to no. when you became certified. Well, I don't know if it did. But I'm not even talking about the code of ethics right now, but it probably did. More importantly, we're talking about federal law, the FCC's law. So, but I could have done one better. I didn't, I wasn't able to bring myself to tell the person on the phone, you're in the middle of a scam. 
you're being robbed hang up the phone that felt like that would be too inappropriate i just i couldn't bring myself to do it but anytime i got a nigerian phone call i would uh that was a scam i would just tell the person oh i don't understand your accent and i would tell the person the, the calling i was like i don't understand his accent i'm going to disconnect this call now and I oh so up. you okay so you didn't even you, you didn't even tell would it, would you've been not allowed to tell your employer that you were doing that oh absolutely not so you were just kept that to yourself that you were doing that. that's right yeah mm. right oh so you and then essentially they probably talked to a different interpreter yeah i guess they probably did did you at, at all were you at all curious about just doing it once to see what the experience would be like uh, I probably did maybe once. I mean, I had the experience because I would do it until I figured out what was going on. And I would just go like, oh, you know, there was one time that a person was like telling the person to come to Nigeria. And because that's I don't know why, but that's a part of the scam at certain points. If they can really rope you all the way in, they'll tell you to come to Nigeria somehow. And I told the person, like, this sounds wrong. I don't, you know, something, something. So you did interject. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How often are you interjecting with your own voice? I mean, as your own character. I mean, you, as yourself. Oh, me, Moshe, me, the interpreter. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another funny story about that. Yeah. yeah this is one of my best stories, so yeah. I don't know if I should save it for the end. But well, no. there's another phone call I got, I got once. So, by the way, the main thing in the Code of Ethics is neutrality and impartiality, right? You can't talk as yourself at all. Yes, you can. Oh, you can. But you have to make it very clear that okay. you're talking as yourself. So, for example... Like, you know, if you, uh, if you ask, this happens so often, I'll be interpreting for Donnie, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody will say, uh, tell him, there's a lot of different things that people do, but they'll go, tell Donnie, um, hello. And I'll go, tell him yourself. And, and then I'll try to like retrain the hearing person. To just uh, have a, a normal conversation. And I will sign that. I'll say, tell, I will sign, tell Donnie, said hello. And then I'll say, you can tell him yourself. Like, that's me kind of, that's me mm -hmm. saying, you can tell him yourself. Uh, but actually, even that's inappropriate on some levels. A deaf person might say, don't tell him. I'll, I'll correct him. You know, right. you just interpret what he said. And the deaf person might go, I don't need your help. So even that's like iffy, right? Mm -hmm. So, but whatever. One, uh, but that's one of the rules is that you always are in third person. So I never say, Donnie's saying he's upset at you. I always say, I'm upset at you, right? Always. That's a rule. So if Donnie says, tell, tell Brent that I'm upset with him, you would just say, I'm upset with you, Brent. Well, I've never had that situation. That's a good question. I've never had the situation where the deaf person says, tell him I'm angry at him. But I have had weird situations where a deaf person is clearly saying something that they don't want me to interpret. Is clearly saying, you okay. know, you say something rude, and he's and Donnie says fucking asshole, and I have to go. Do you want me to interpret that? Oh, you're allowed to do that. Um, I think so, because it's like he's not utilizing my services in that point, and I need to clarify to him, you know, are is that something that you wanted? interpreted or was that something you were muttering to yourself and what do they say to that often no uh -huh. often they're like oh no it's like well i could have just gone like fucking asshole and then they would have been like why did you interpret that does that ever happen? did that ever happen where you said something that you didn't realize that they didn't want the other person to hear? i'm sure that that's happened but not memorable enough that i have a good story about uh -huh. it but so that's one thing and, and by the way does this sort of thing happen a lot where people are kind of fighting over the logistics of of the situation where every single job you have to set up 
some rules. You have to like figure out every job is different. I've had jobs where I would go into a, pri- a public school and I'm interpreting. This is why I hated working in elementary schools and, and junior high was the worst. But I would go sit down next to a student, a deaf student, and someone would come over and they would go, okay, um, he's having trouble with, uh, you know, division. So go ahead and help him with that. And I would go, what? <laughs> I go, you help him with it. I'm, I'm an interpreter. And they go, well, you, we don't have enough people. You have to help him. I go, I'm not good at math. I'm not qualified. I'm not a teacher. I'm just like an interpreter, you know, so that would happen all the time. Abuses of... Right. Uh, but this story is good. So you're always supposed to stay in first person. Always. When you sign, Donnie, I say, I, Donnie, am angry. So one time this dude calls, except when you call. The call, when you first call, call the number, you have to establish what's happening. Mm-hmm. You don't want to try and fool people. Although sometimes people will say, don't announce yourself. And they would just launch it, which was... A, a trick because often I would call. Here's how the call would start, right? You would call my service. It, it, the deaf person calls me. They want to call Domino's, right? So you be Domino's. I'll be the interpreter. Mm-hmm. Okay. You call. You're calling me right yeah, now? Yeah. Phone, phone's okay. got to ring. Domino's there. Pizza. How phone can I didn't help? even ring. Oh, sorry. You, you're okay. the one ringing. Oh, you're right. right then. Actually, I'm going to defer to Donnie on this one. Okay. Make the phone ring. Oh. Ring, ring. Hi, this is Domino's Pizza. This is Craig. Hi there. I have a caller on the line that uses sign language to communicate. I'm with Sorensen Video Relay Services. My interpreter number is 403. I'm going to be interpreting the call. You can just speak directly to your caller. The caller is starting right now. And hi, I'd like a large pepperoni pizza. I would try to like railroad that so that the person wouldn't hang up. Right? Uh Uh-huh, right. And so sometimes... I would call. Well, they, they would oftentimes hang up. They think oh, it was a Nigerian scam. It was no, some, exactly. No, but they think some kind of scam. They would just hang up. Right. So sometimes I would do a little less. I would go. We'll do it again. Ring, ring. Hey, hi, Domino's Pizza. Hey, I'm a sign language interpreter. There's a deaf guy here that wants to order a pizza. I'm going to start the call right now. I would do things like that uh-huh. when, when the person had, would people hang up even in that. Sometimes. Yeah. So, so sometimes the deaf person would just go don't announce, and then it would go. Ring, ring. Hi, Craig. Hey, I'd like. Hey, Craig. I would like a large pepperoni pizza. Okay, yeah. Um, Okay, and uh, anything else? Breadsticks. All all deaf people ordered breadsticks. Really? No. Um, (laughs) So sometimes that would happen. All right. So anyway, uh, so this guy called one time. Isn't that better? It is better, but the rule stated that you're supposed to tell. Why? Okay, there's a reason for why you would want that. If If it's a pizza order, who cares, right? But if I'm calling you and you're like the... Uh, you know, social worker for my case or something like the communication might get weird at a certain point. Like I might not understand what the person's saying. There might be a web issue. There might be a, uh, you know what I'm saying? At a certain point, you're gonna be like, hello. And then, or like, what do you mean? You're my son. What if you're an old, a 90 year old woman and you don't even understand the technology? What do you mean? You're him. I go, no, I'm okay. I'm an interpreter. I'm interpreting this call for the two of you, you know, Okay, so for a pizza order, you wouldn't probably have to set it up? Probably not. So you didn't. So some of them you chose to... No, I would never choose to do that. I would always announce myself unless they hung up. Then I would call back and I would make some executive decisions about how this was going to go. You know? Okay, Okay, so uh, that's what I'm saying. There's sticky ethical issues everywhere in interpreting. There's like a million ethical scenarios that you're like unsure what to do with. And you just have to make a call and hope that it's the, it's the right call. But the, and the main one is don't insert yourself. Don't insert your opinions. So I, it, I never, it's never okay to go, uh, how about this? Okay. Ring, ring. Hey, Craig at Domino's. Hey, I would like a large pepper, pepperoni. Hold on a second. Pepperoni's really unhealthy and a lot of pigs die. Oh, in I the, love pepperoni. Yeah, no. I, that's like 
fireable offense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I, clearly, yeah. <laughs> well, but little things, little versions of that, you mm-hmm. know, like little versions of that or like even uh, in the opposite, like, like okay, be like, I don't want to talk to some deaf guy. Okay. Ring, ring. Hey, I've got a sign language interpreter, uh, an interpreter here. I'd like inter- interpreter call for you. I don't want to talk to a deaf person. Why? You're being bigoted and disgusting. That's also inappropriate. <laughs> I got to tell him. I got to right. tell Donnie. <sighs> he, I don't want to talk to a deaf person. So he can say, fuck you. You're being bigoted. Yeah. Well, I just, I don't do that. Well, we're not in the call anymore. No, no, no. I, I was you're still in the, in the call? I was in the call. I hung up. Oh, okay. Well, I'm talking to myself right now. <laughs> I guess I'll just hang up. Okay, click. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, one time this dude called the... So, remember, I'm supposed to be in first person all the time, right? Yeah, right. One time this dude called... He called the police, local police department. And uh, he's like, I rate, you know, the guy. He's like, so it's like, uh, local police, you know, LAPD, how can I help you? It's like the desk guy. And the guy's like... Fuck you, fucking pigs. You're fucking, you pieces of shit. You're following me. You want to kill me? You fuck you. And the cop is like, so chill. Cop's like, okay, sir. What's exactly, what exactly is the problem? Wait, hold, I'm sorry, back up. You're yeah. doing this in first person or what? First person, but I announced myself. You did announce yourself. Yeah, okay. yeah, I announced myself. The, the sign language interpreter number 503 with the Sorensen Video Relay Service. I've got a caller on the line that uses sign language to communicate, and I'm going to be interpreting that call. The call's starting right now. Fuck you, you motherfucker! You fucking pigs are following me! I'm sorry, did you say it like that? Yeah. So you delivered it like that? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like that? Well, I mean, not in the New York accent, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, was like, it wasn't like, fuck you, you motherfucker. See, that's inappropriate. Right. Fuck you, you motherfucker, you guys So you kind of have to have like some performance. For sure. Some talent. Yeah. But you don't want to go, hey, fuck you motherfuckers! You know, it's like, that's that annoying fucking idiot, you know? Uh-huh. I've had people do that yeah. too, where they try to match racial affect, and it's like, dude. Really? Yeah, it's gross. You know, I ain't going to do that. It's like, what are you doing? You're like a 50-year-old suburban mom. Like, you don't need to do that to give over the... You've seen 50-year-old suburban moms trying to be urban? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. But wait a second. Okay, go on. on. Yeah, it's like, it's so so gross, but I've totally seen that. Are you allowed to do nationality accents? Like, if the person's calling from France, and they really do have an accent, and you have to do a French accent a little bit? Definitely not. No. Or they wouldn't have a French accent, I guess, but they would just... They, they are French. I am a French sign language user. I would like to order the pizza. You, you know, pepperoni, not very healthy not for very, you. Uh, but in France, we don't have this. We have ham, we have croque-monsieur. We have croquettes. So, okay. what, so, uh, so this dude so calls the police. That, yeah, he He's said like, that. fuck you, you motherfuckers. Police are following me, these motherfuckers. And the cop is so chill. Wait, I have a quick question. Sorry. If, you, if the guy's saying all that stuff, how yeah. do you keep up with that? Uh, you just try your best to uh-huh. keep up with it. And uh-huh. by the way, the hardest thing in interpreting is not signing. It's reading sign language and and verbalizing remembering it. it. But remembering what they said. No, too, you to could keep... pretty much keep up. One of the more annoying things people do is they would talk really slowly. Uh-huh. And I, I would, it's not that annoying because it happens so often. I just but you can talk normally. Please talk normally. Please talk normally because I can keep up. And if I need some time, I ask for it, and that's oh, okay. I'm saying that when the deaf person is signing. Is it hard to keep up with? It can be if they sign. Seeing what they're saying and then but speaking. One it out. thing that I think is appropriate and I have done is I will actually sign, hold on, while I'm trying to catch up to them. And a way, there's a way to sign the sign, hold on, that isn't like, hey, stop. It's more like, hold on one sec while I finish giving over your thought, right. you know, and th- they understand that most of the time. Although okay. there are conflicts that happen between. So you're clients. saying this 
F words. Fuck you, motherfucker. And the cop, okay, sir. Well, you know, I'm like, I'm happy to make a report. What do you think is going on? He's like, you fucking pigs are after me. He's clearly in like a delusion, you know, and he's just like abusing this cop. They fucking, they want to kill me. And the cop's like, okay, sir. Well, I understand. I, that sounds, I, I understand you're upset right now. How can I help you? And then all of a sudden we're like, you know, 15 uh, like slurs in and he just goes, fuck your mother. And I go, uh, he said, fuck your mother. To the cop, uh-huh. I broke the thing. Yeah. That was supposed to be a nice laugh point for us. I go, uh, he said, fuck your mama. And then the cop goes, fuck my mama. Fuck you, motherfucker. Fuck you. And then they just started screaming <laughs> like this really chill cop. Like, like he broke. I broke. Everybody broke. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Why did you decide to break there? I just, because he said, fuck his mom. I'm like, I'm not saying Wait, that. What, what, what? I'm not saying that from a per- first person. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I was really? Just, like, just something about like the fun. mother? Yeah, I was just like, what do you mean something about it? That's like a big deal. Okay, go, it just uh, seems like he's swearing all this stuff to the to the. Yeah, but fuck your mother is a different level. That's interesting that you felt that it wasn't on another level was that it? you were comfortable saying it in first also, person. Also, he thought it was another level. He right. lost his shit. Clearly, you don't have a good uh, but relationship you, but with your mother. let me ask you this. Do you think that you... He's like, fuck you and fuck your mother. That's the same to me. <laughs> Do you feel like... Well, it is because the guy seems crazy or something. Right. He's like paranoid. So he, doesn't, he doesn't know his mom. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it matters, actually. <laughs> I hear you. know you. what I mean? He seems crazy. So, But my question to you is, do you feel like you breaking character intensified that insult by no. like making it as if to say I can't even say this in the hey, first this person is real, this right? is oh, really maybe. bad I never and thought that's what actually I takes it off this know? is real heavy then, then, I might then be he, taking some of this then he thought out. maybe I do need to react to this now maybe. because even the sign language interpreter hey, can't even say it ethical know? breach it had some consequences uh-huh. there's another call once these guys called up this is a funnier one he goes it's two dudes and I call the number I call the line and uh, it's like do you want to get fucked by hot, big-titted <laughs> sluts? Call, dial nine right now for nine ninety-nine a minute. And I'm interpret, I'm, so I'm interpreting it, and I kind of go like, dial nine. They don't really I'm understand. Sorry, the the phone sex line called the guy. No, the guy, the, the deaf guy called guy's a, call calling, calling with a number, and it's like, you yeah. know, to fuck go, go, hot sluts, yeah. press nine now. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of interpreted that. They didn't quite understand what was going on. I was like, well, this is. A, I, I kind of told them like, it's a phone sex line. You have to call nine, and you have to call. And I think there were some rules that you couldn't do it actually over the phone. Like you couldn't call 900 numbers uh-huh. um, because, you know, you can pay for it. Like yeah. there's no to pay for it. And they go, and I was like, it's a phone sex line. Do you understand that? And they go, oh, no, 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 no. They're, they're signing to me. They go, we want, um, we want a woman to come to our house and have sex with us. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Okay. And they go, do you know anybody? <laughs> That's what they signed. I mean, they were actually asking for like a, right. a recom- if I had like a recommendation. And what did you say? I was like, no. I think I maybe was like, no, you might want to look up escort in the yellow pages or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But I thought that was really funny. They were yeah. just like kind of innocent, horny boys. Right. Like, oh, how old were they, you think? 19 or yeah. something. Um, so you got to really just peek into people's lives all the time Big and just time. get a really intimate look at just the drama or of somebody's life well, and, and in person too sometimes the, right the drama was way more drama on the phones than it was in person right well it, there's there's probably um, a barrier there that right. makes them feel com- more comfortable to be intimate exactly. or, and stuff there right and these were personal conversations these weren't right. like official conversations but these the fact were, that they probably can't well, one of them can't see you at least that uh that makes it easier too. I've had I've talked I've had people talk people down from suicide, um, you know. Yeah, I've wow. had I've had people propose. Yeah, in a well, bad way. Did you ever have someone who was deaf using the webcam show nudity? Oh yeah, 
<laughs> oh yeah. Like well, um, oh. male uh, and female. I'm probably mostly male, but it's like all the time. I mean, all the time. And do you say? Are you allowed to say anything about that? Yeah, I just hang out, you know. Oh, you hang up. Yeah. They're not allowed to do that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it was against the rules of it. That's right. But sometimes it would just be like you would, because the way that it would work is you would be like, you've got a call on the software, and you'd click it, and there'd just be a dick there, and you'd be like, All oh, right. it was just pointed at the penis. Yeah. Uh, but I've had, so had people. But what like about if it was a person who was just happened to be naked and they were making a call? I think we, that's never happened. And I think what you'd have to do is um, tell them to put some clothes on. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've also had people like walk through the frame accidentally, you know, naked in right. the back. I mean, Did you ever see anything sketchy going on in the background of a call? I mean, you know, there's sketchy shit that happens. You know, you're like in did people's you actually, houses. Did you, well, actually, were you ever witness to or interpreting a sketchy situation? Called 911, you know. Like, what about a drug deal? You ever do, do a drug deal over I'm the sure phone? I've done a drug deal. I don't even really? feel like that's sketchy, though. That, that feels like whatever. Mm, okay, what about something... Re- Okay, what if something very illegal and weird? What if that some human trafficking deal is happening? And well, are you do, are you allowed to report it or what? Or you're is it allowed? Supposed to be, is there confidentiality? There are, thing? It's confidentiality. There are things that you could report. There's no real mechanism to report though, because you were on webcam, you were on the internet, you didn't have like a tracing. But yeah, if, th- if people were like, "I'm gonna," ki-, you saw someone about to kill someone or like beating someone up. Then did you, you could, see someone about to kill someone? Oh, all the time. No, I never did. <laughs> Uh, no, I know. I never no, saw I, I guess if you were, uh, yeah, or what if, you know, it was a terrorist or something and they were, you know, yeah. s- making plans or something like that and you, you have, you're allowed to you report could, that. I think you could report that. I don't, I don't know, but I think you could, I, there are situations where you can report things. Like if you saw violence about to happen, you could do that. And so you saw more drama, you saw more. Way more. In, on the phone. Much more. And, but in person, did things get pretty intense in person? Because you're there live with the person? Um, you said you went to doctor's appointments? I've been to doctor's appointments. I never interpreted anything any, too any heavy. Any heavy? No cancer no. diagnosis or anything like that? No, but I've, you know, I'll tell you what. When any of that AIDS I'll diagnosis the, or anything? I'll tell you them. No, well, I have done AIDS consultations and stuff, but never a reveal of the results. No, no, not just AIDS, though. That, that AIDS, AIDS though. right. Mm-hmm. Dude, one time on the webcam, this was intense. This isn't even about, this is about me. I fucking click the thing, and the person comes up, and they ain't got no nose. Like they don't have a nose. Whoa. It's a hole in their face and it's a fucking, like a skull. And I was just like, I, I just, it, I, it was so intense. I, I, I did the call, but I like was like nauseous and like scared and it was scared. so bad. It did was, you, uh, did they, can they see you? Yeah. They can, huh? Yeah. Oh, they have to because you, you're right. signing back to them, right? Right. Okay. Dude, that was that was very gnarly. So do you think it showed? It think you must were, have showed. Do you think that was offensive to the person? I'm sure that they're used to it. Uh-huh. I'm sure. You know, I can't even imagine what well, it looks like. Wait, is it just dark? It's like a like a no, like a skull nose. Right. So it was dark, or but like two holes. Uh, and the worst part is right. when I hung up the phone, I was like, "Smell you later." You didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was that was heavy, dude. That was real heavy heavy and i would have people call all the time this was more normal and wasn't that freaky people call and they would fucking have like one finger like deaf person firework accident and they got like one or two fingers and they're signing and you're just like all right i'm gonna do my best here oh and was like, it harder to of course interpret? yeah mm-hmm. hell yeah and you would do your best you'd be like i don't fucking know what this person's saying by the way sometimes i would just call and i would just be like i don't understand this person 
like straight up do not understand this person. Did you ever have do a conversation of people having phone sex? Yeah, not you like did? not super graphic, not like, you know, I'm going to pump your Did you have any colleagues that did? I'm sure. I'm I'm sure. You did you want to get that? I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely had some like, you know, you know, oh man, I can't wait to get home and fuck you kind of things. Really? You know? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. interesting. It, how do you feel I when think you're they, saying that? How do you feel when you're saying that to somebody and, you know, and, and you're saying in the first person and it's... You're, I, I mean, it's just kind of amused, I guess. And amused, yeah. Yeah, I mean, kind of... Well, I thought it was amusing. Was it One s- time in some ways sort of arousing? Know, tantalizing? No, no, no. 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 I would, again, I was still a grown-up, so I would go home and have sex with people. Mm-hmm. You know? I wouldn't be horny for the deaf blind lady or the no not not have but just even saying that language and you're saying it from this first person no kind of make you feel no. a little bit sort like of, that's me are you kind of provoking yourself in some way you no know, i didn't feel that way. way uh no um and one Do you time feel like this was acting training in a way i don't know i don't know i don't think so partially not really but you i mean you did have to pull off believable performances not really no, no. you don't you just but, got well sorry go ahead can't over, you can't overdo it, though, right? But the live stuff, like when you're performing for an audience? Or? Well, that's like, I guess, something. I don't know. And uh, you have to be agile, like with the slam poetry thing. Yeah. Was it ever awkward for people? <laughs> Did anyone ever ask you to leave the room if it was something private? No, I've never had that. Well, say a couple or something, and then you were translating, and they wanted to do something private with each other that they didn't want you there. But they In say, person? We- Why would I interpret for... I would never interpret for a couple in person, and if they're on the phone, they would just... They couldn't be in private. No, I mean, no, you, you did interpret. You You're did, saying you, like you, I'm you, interpreting for two people and they decide they're attracted to each other, want to make out. No, like, no, not even that even, but they just want to have a moment with just each other. It, it, it could be, uh, uh, I don't know, proposing. it could be anything. You know, it could be a family members that are distant from each other that want to hug or, or have a, just a private moment. Did they ever ask you to leave? No. Even during the proposal? That was on the phone. Oh. The person oh, was really drunk. It was really funny. It was like the guy it was a long call. And it was like 40 minute, 50 minute call. The guy was drinking more and more of his bottle. And by the time he, he was so drunk and that, that I was trying to give over. Like, you want to get married? What's your longest phone call? Oh, long, long, long. How many? I mean, it just depends. Well, an hour you would transfer it to somebody else. Oh, after an hour you transfer it. Yeah. Now, because you were on the phone so much, did that make you not want to be on the phone in your own life? No. But you know, no. (laughs) There were certain characters though that would call it all the time. I'll tell you about... And you got to know them? Well, there was this one, there was this one person. Um, I don't remember his name, and I, and I wouldn't tell you about it even if I did, but let's, let's call him Bob, right? Uh-huh. And Bob from, let's say, Poughkeepsie or something. Uh-huh. And Bob from Poughkeepsie, when he would call, everybody would be like, oh, I'm on my break. But you're not allowed to do that. If you're not on break, you have to take the call. Yeah. But nobody wanted this person's call, Why? including me, because Bob from Poughkeepsie was... Um, uh, developmentally disabled, right? Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend, who was just who he was always calling, was also developmentally disabled. She was a little bit more functional than him, but um, they would sit on the phone for hours, and she would tell him about his day or ask him questions, pointed questions even. <laughs> and this is how it would go. Okay, Donnie. Yeah. Ring, ring. Uh, hi, this is girlfriend of Bob, Lisa. Uh, just so start talking to me. So how was your day today? Oh yeah, my day, my day today. Yeah, good. Yeah, 
Okay, what happened? What did you do? Oh, what happened? What did I do? Yeah, oh, yeah, good. Uh-huh. So did you go, you go to the ice cream parlor? Oh, uh, yeah, I went to the ice cream parlor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What did you get? What flavors? We get flavors. What? Yeah, yeah. So which ones? Which which ones? Which ones? Did you get ice cream cone? Ice cream cone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, did was she did she not talk like that? No, <laughs> she would she would like she would tell tales about her own life, so you can try that too, like what she did today. So I, um, well, I went to the ice cream. Oh, parlor, I actually. went to the ice cream parlor. Yeah. <laughs> so you just repeated what she said, like for hours, <laughs> and it was like, you know, I mean, it was crazy. Oh no, I'm wrong. You wouldn't transfer the call after an hour. You could take a break. Oh. And somebody else would take over for ten minutes, but then you'd have to take the call. Oh, again. really? Yeah. And so it would go on for hours, and he would just repeat everything she said, and it was and it just, was boring. Oh my God! I've never been so bored in my life. Really? And she didn't notice, and he didn't notice because they weren't the noticing. Had you ever fallen mm. asleep while translating? No, but one one thing that had happened was um, there was you're on a computer, and so when the calls are pretty long and boring, like you know, sometimes you would like look at the internet really quickly, and you know you kind of get away with it, you know, like especially in a Bob call or whatever, yeah. like you could totally get away with it. You could just surf the internet the entire time. But once in a while, somebody would go, "Are you looking at the internet?" Oh, really? Or are you? Uh, why are you looking over there? And I would just like, I would be so embarrassed. I would just go like, "I'm, I am not." <laughs> and they'd be like, "You're looking over there," and I'd be like, "Oh, that's my computer." There's, a, I would make up shit. That is funny. You would say, "Oh no, I'm not." I would just lie. I would just be like, yeah. "Absolutely not, no." Uh-huh. I've had people get mad at me, hang up on me. You know, I've had it all. You've ever had to stop, just like go somewhere or take a break or yeah, or use a restroom or yeah, yeah. You, you could you could transfer the calls, which would be good. So, yeah, that was a good thing. Did, was there? Um, did you become friends with the other interpreters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do for sure. So, and would you guys joke around and talk about the calls? Not supposed to, to but that? but not, not allowed to. to. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure that Bob got brought up, you know, in a break room uh-huh. from time to time. Oh God, you had a Bob call. Was there any weird? Was there any weird competition for some reason in this world? Well, um, no, not. I don't know. Maybe it's like here's a real the biggest competition. It's not really. really I wouldn't even call it competition. Is that this is the kind of dirty secret of interpreting? It's like something like forty percent. I don't know. I'm just making this number up. But from my anecdotal experience, something like forty percent of interpreters are just not good at their job. They're just not qualified to handle whatever situation comes their way. They can do very easy stuff. You know, Uh, generally a doctor's appointment tends to be pretty easy because the doctor is kind of telling that person information. You know, but when it comes to like high level stuff, especially voicing for the deaf person. People are just fucking bad at their jobs. And there are so many positions that need to be filled that they just keep filling them with bad interpreters over and over again, which is putting deaf people at a crazy disadvantage, but probably less of a disadvantage than they would be if there was no one there at all. And to me, that's like, if there, it's not really competition. It's more like there's so many bad interpreters. There are so many bad interpreters. When I would call my own company to call my mom, mm-hmm. I would go call through my own company. You used your own company that you worked at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, three out of ten times I would hang up and say, I'm going to call you back, Mom. And I would hang up and immediately call back. Really? Why? Just even right up front, you were able to tell if they were bad or good? Uh, my mother... Did you, knew, did you know... Well, was that a thing, too? Is Would you ever call somebody and you knew the person because you worked with them? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Are you, yeah oh, yeah, definitely. Is that kind of weird for this it's person you weird. work with to know about your personal stuff? A little stuff? weird. I called my stepmother once accidentally. Or oh. I, the, my stepmother picked up once accidentally. 
And what did you? And then oh, she was she was supposed to know that you were calling, and she was just looking for an interpreter, and it was me. Uh huh. And I was like, oh hey, and we chatted for a few minutes, and then I was like, do you want to um, make a call? Me to make the call, or do you want me to transfer you to someone else? And she was like, oh no, let's go ahead. Uh huh. So, but was did you ever get somebody you worked with, and when you were making a call to your mom or whatever, and you didn't really want them to hear this private conversation between your your mom so you transfer somebody you didn't know or something um yeah 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 i did have that happen uh-huh. yeah i did yeah. um, why would you use this, the company you worked at because of that you mean yeah it's a nationwide company and the odds of me getting someone who i know are pretty low oh they have call centers everywhere that's right yeah wow and you would actually get people you knew that you worked with once in a while but almost never yeah right yeah so you i imagine held yourself in a high regard you thought you did a good job at interpreting both on a skill level and also on the ethical level as well you think i was very good and what i was really good at was voicing like that i was like real good at voicing is Uh, when the when the person signs i speak Uh uh-huh because what I was capable of doing, because I have a you know a big vocabulary and like pretty robust linguistic skills in English, is I was able to like kind of what is that? Does that sound obnoxious? Oh. Uh, no, I, I voluntarily I laughed. I, I only kind of somewhat laughed because he Cause, made cause a reaction. Was yeah, Why did he laugh? I don't know. I well, I guess because you said you have a robust. Um, what'd you say? Linguistics? Something like that. And Rob- that in itself that. sounded robust, you know, okay. which yeah. is, you know, yeah. Anyway. It's appropriate. Yeah, it's appropriate. But, That's but, actually kind of, I think, why you So what I, I was able to, like, I felt give over um, the, the... That's why I really like doing graduate school because I really felt like, okay, I'm one of the few people, even if they're a really good interpreter... You felt like you yourself were... You were on the same level, in a way, maybe intellectually, as the, yes. the group you were yes. translating for or whatever. And so I felt like... A lot of interpreters, not that I'm the smartest interpreter, there are other smart interpreters like that, but a lot of interpreters, even if they're highly skilled, when it comes to voicing, they're, they're literally, actually, a lot of interpreters are going to lack the linguistic capability in English to, to ask a question at its appropriate sophistication level. So that's why I like doing that, is I was like, oh, I can match affect for affect for this person you know, going outward, which I thought, you know, that, I always really liked that. So, uh, you know, since you were good, did you make mistakes? Of course, and what constantly. Were, what were some major mistakes you made? Oh, nothing memorable. But mm-hmm. all the time, I would all the time I would go, and that's when you jump out of your role as first person. You mm-hmm. go, "I'm sorry, that was my mistake." All oh. the time, yeah. you would say something, and you would go, "I'm sorry, that was the interpreter's mistake. I I misread what she was saying." Hold on, just a sec. Or you jump out. There's other situations where you jump out and you go, "Okay, actually, like when someone's talking too fast, like, and you can't keep up, you would have to say." Could you s- slow down, please? Because I'm unable to keep up with it. You. you do you say do- it with that kind of attitude, or do you say it in a more sort of... Probably at first you would say it a little softer, but eventually you'd be like, I, you know, you have to slow down or I'm not going to be able to, yeah. to interpret for you. And do you... Um, did uh, the, did people ever get frustrated with you on the phone? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And did you ever have to break character for that and say, look, I'm trying the best I can here, or what would yeah, you yeah. do? Yeah, I would do would, stuff like that. Yeah. Would you be customer service or would you get contentious with them sometimes? I would... Um, no, I wouldn't be particularly customer service. I'd be professional, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be. I would say things like, uh, if they swore at me, I would say, "You can't talk to me like that. I'm going to hang up the phone now." You uh-huh. know, and I would tell them, "I'm a person. I'm 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 not a, a computer screen." How do they react to that? You know, fuck you or sorry. You know, 
You never what? said bad words to them or anything. No, right? no, no. They never did. Did they? Anyone ever kind of strike a nerve with you about anything? Call Only you. time I got really like nerve struck was when they were like, "Are you on the internet?" And I was, right. and you know. Well, yeah, you were more felt guilty about that. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So, did you? Did you ever witness any racist conversations? I'm sure I have. Did you hear them make any off-color remarks about Jewish people? I don't think so. I would remember that, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. What did you think when you were translating racist conversations? I don't, re- I don't remember any. Nothing springs to mind. that I, Like, nothing is in... I mean, honestly, not that deaf people aren't racist. They are. But they're probably less racist than your average person because not only are they an, an oppressed group, but because they're such a small group... Like all of the races are, they're more deaf than they are a race. Be, because they have the secret language, kind of. In uh, other words, they hang out together. Uh-huh, right. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, th- th- there's an, an elitism with deaf people or, or what? Because they have the secret language. They kind of. I wouldn't call it elitism, I would, but there is certainly a separatism. Yes, definitely. And, and, and militants and a separatism among certain deaf people, for sure. And like, what is, what's up with that? Well, like, do you think that, like, when you meet, a, like, a person of color who's, like, you know, a black militant who, like, really hates, like, white people or some, or really is a lot of anger towards white people, do you think of them as elitist or, like, more like, like separatists? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't hear a lot of, like, like, you know what I'm saying? It's, like, it really is about, like, hearing people have oppressed us, so they're bad. Do, oh, do deaf people feel they've been oppressed? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And have they? Been? Definitely, definitely, uh-huh. yes, yeah, uh-huh. in in unique and and interesting ways. Y- you mean just discriminatory because they're they're deaf, they're treated like they're they're mentally handicapped or something For like sure that. For sure, on that, they're not given ac- real access to education, which makes them literally mentally handicapped. Uh, Oliver Sacks, who wrote a book about deafness, which is really great, uh, he said that is a very hardcore sentiment. He said deafness is the most common uh, is the most pr- common preventable form of mental retardation and he was saying something on bombastic on purpose what he was saying was not that deaf people are retarded but that because of the educational oppressions that are put in place and barriers that are put in place for deaf people to be able to access the full education they are literally rendered uh uh mentally uh retarded and that is true to some extent i mean you, you know, it's that idea of like with race, they talk about, you know, in order to be uh, to be average, you must be exceptional if you're born into an underprivileged group. And that's nowhere is that more true than in, in deafness, it, because the education is so backlogged and backwards that if you're average or below average, if you're a below average intelligence, you're going to be rendered literally mentally feeble, like unable to, to read or write kind of a vibe. And if you're average you're going to be rendered like a person that's like functional, but like ch- challenged. And if you're hyper intelligent, you get to be average. You know what I'm saying? There are almost no deaf people that I know who are like everybody in Gallaudet University, uh, which is a deaf university. All of those people, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I feel com- somewhat confident saying that everybody that's in Gallaudet University, which is a proper fine university, are exceptional deaf people or they are people that were born into deaf families. You know, that's the one area of advantage. If you're a deaf person that ha- is born to deaf parents, then you can like k- kind of leapfrog. You're a non-deaf or, person. 
No, if you're a oh. deaf person oh, okay. and your parents are deaf, yeah, then you're able to leapfrog over the systemic oppressions that are put in place between. Because what happens is, like a deaf person, ninety percent of the time, or or something, or seventy percent of the time, is born into a hearing family. Best case scenario, the hearing family runs to a sign language class and starts trying to figure out how to communicate with their child, and like you know. Uh, a few months in is like able to barely mutter a word and then a year in is able to like give it a terrible communication to their child that's best case scenario of a really involved parent but it's not always best case scenario a lot of the time that person is born into a hearing family and the hearing family does nothing they don't go learn sign language my grandfather never learned sign language never knew sign language my, my mother's entire life ever so it's like you're born into the people that are giving you language and are giving you your basic education, your foundation of your brain, you know, chemistry and, 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 and knowledge bank. You know, I'm thinking about that right now. I got a three-month-old. Everything we're giving over is like getting stored. Your parents aren't even doing that, right? Then you get into um, a public school where like there barely is a deaf program and they barely know how to teach the deaf. It's like by the time you get into real access to education you're five years behind you know like linguistically mentally like your 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 brain chemistry is already set so if you're deaf and born into that's of course you know some people get lucky and have parents that are really good or immediately enroll them in and more and more this is happening they immediately roll them in very early early childhood education programs more and more that's happening but um a deaf person born into a deaf family doesn't have that issue you know, they immediately are born into a family that knows how to communicate with them and signs to them and teaches them sign language in a fully fluent way. And they, you know, they are able to be good, bad, average, whatever. They're able to be regular. Um, now, I'm just going to switch to something pretty different. Okay. I guess I would say a lot lighter, actually. But when you were interpreting on the phone, mm -hmm. did you have to also, well, mimic their... If they burp, did you have to burp also? Or did you have to cough? Or sneeze. If they sneeze or cough and stuff like that? Or you know, I would do things sometimes. If they're having a coughing fit, yeah. I would never go, because <laughs> that's so... There's a personal choice. I think that's really corny. People do that. I've seen that. <laughs> I hate it. Uh -huh. I would say something like, excuse me, I'm coughing. I'm coughing. Excuse me. Oh, but they didn't say excuse me? Like, they would go like this. <laughs> Uh -huh. To me, that's, you know, they put a finger up like, wait a minute, I'm coughing. Right. I would just say something like, I'm coughing, I'm coughing. Just give me a second, I'm coughing. What about sneeze? Would you just throw in a sneeze if they just had it? They're talking. No. And you wouldn't put the sneeze in? No. What about a sigh? Like, oh. If it w felt communicative to me, because a sneeze is not communicative. They're not going, achoo. The only time I would jump in and say they're coughing is when it was interfering with the communication. They were coughing for such a long time that something needed to be said or it would just be a long awkward silence what if they they fart also not communication what about laughing what if they farted on purpose what if they turn around and farted then i would probably say you know something like they're farting at you or something oh you wouldn't say i'm farting at i don't you? know it's hard <laughs> to say what i would do in that situation i've never been in it because that that's a really complicated set of like communication parameters like i'm not going to just go because no one's going to even a that's corny b no one would even know what that meant you know <laughs> So wouldn't you say I'm farting at you? But that's weird because he's not really farting. He's not really saying I'm farting at you. He's farting. So I probably would in that case say he's farting at you. What if you just said I'm farting? But he's that's not the right that's not the right message. If a person turns around on a webcam and farts into it, right? That's not the message 
that they're giving over is not like I farted. It's I'm farting in your general direction. So why not do it in the first person? <laughs> Maybe I would say that I'm farting. I mean, I don't know, because then they wouldn't get the idea that he really is farting. No, they would. If a person think- said to you on the phone, I fart at you, then you would go, oh, ha, ha. But if you heard like, <laughs> then you would go, oh, he really farted at me. Oh, you mean the, they wouldn't think that he was actually, gas was coming out he of his He was saying his the butt. words, I farted at you, you would think. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So that's a complicated oh. one because you have to like figure out how the person is going to understand that the person turned around and farted at them. What's the heaviest moment that you had doing interpretation? Um, the heaviest moment? I interpreted a lot of really sad things. Really sad things. You don't want to say? I don't even remember. They they blur together because did it so ever make you emotional? Yeah, I've had did calls. Did you cheer up? No, but there was calls where I had to like log off and take a break and be like, I can't do another call for a while. What, oh, but but was ever anything still heavy that you thought you had to tell them, hey guys, I got to get out of this right no, now? No, no, not allowed to do that. Uh huh. No. Did you sign for like kids calling other kids? Yeah, totally. That was pretty cute. Was oh, a lot, really? A lot of cute stuff. For Any sure. junior high age kids? Yeah. Were they having some really silly conversations? Probably. Uh-huh. Did really it remember. make you laugh? I've you, laughed, definitely. Did, oh, you've cracked. You. Oh, for sure. So you're not supposed to laugh? No, you can laugh. You're a human. Uh-huh. You're not supposed to be non-human. You're okay, just well, what if to... something was being, there was being serious, and it was, but it was funny, and you were, had to hold in the laughter? Nothing comes to mind, but I like that idea. Uh-huh. I don't think that's happening. You never had that, huh? I'm sure, Maybe I have. What about crying? Are you supposed to kind of cry or tear up kind of? well like i said if somebody was crying that, that was the most common thing urban is pretty uncommon the most common thing i would hear w- at the call center would be interpreters going like then i just don't uh-huh. want to be alive anymore and i would just be like dude i you know i would never do that would you ever or pretend go, to wipe away no tears? i would go i would literally go i just don't want to be alive anymore i'm crying i'm crying right now you know, because this is like nobody wants, no person wants this stranger. You know, it's like your daughter's crying and then the stranger's like working on their like performance. I know, yeah. Oh, daddy, daddy, I've always loved you. Um, are there famous interpreters? Like, there are, are just pe- definitely, yes, there are definitely famous interpreters in the interpreting world. And, and do they have beautiful motions and stuff? And like, and, they, and I know they're very, yeah. And a lot of the most famous interpreters are actually, uh, the performance interpreters they're really good at they they interpret on broadway and stuff mm. and they're really good at it are they stars within the interpreting world definitely yeah, yeah. Mm. are there any crossover artists no oh well, that, that woman in the rap videos is the closest the which one the woman in the rap videos is the closest to being like a crossover star what do you, who's that there's these rap videos that go around where this interpreter is interpreting for them but I, I'm not a big fan of those because it feels a little bit like that interpreter's trying to go viral with those mm. videos, uh-huh. and that to me is the opposite of right. what it, of what you're what it's about. You think a lot of interpreters become performers? No, but I'll tell you the demographic break. Yes, I mean I'm sure. Here's demographic breakdown of interpreters. Uh, probably eighty percent, probably seventy percent women, probably twenty eight percent gay men. Okay, carry and on. And maybe 2% straight men. Hold on a second. Oh. Really? Yeah. So you are of 2%. Oh, I'm I, I'm a CODA, and that changes things a little bit. The demographic within CODA interpreters is much more diverse. Uh-huh. Because the way we got into it is just like fell into you it. You fell into it, right, exactly. But um, 
with the whole body of interpreters, mostly by the far mostly women. Why is that? Don't know. Nurturing, maybe that's as good as we could come up with. Huh? The mm. being helping and stuff and communication. I Does don't that say know. something about communication? Maybe that uh, women and gay men are more in tune with communicating, or are are more, you know, purveyors of communication than straight men, and straight men are more maybe bottle things up or something like that. Is that maybe a thing? So. I have I no don't idea. Know. I'm just asking. I don't know either, but that is true. It's the truth. Huh? That's an interesting statistic. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Are you proud of being an interpreter? I was. Bored by the time I quit, I was ready to get into comedy full time and very happy when I did. But um, but I was very uh, I took the work seriously. I thought it was important work, and I think it is important work. I think that the people that do it are doing important work. Yeah. And also, you know, a lot of deaf people really resent hearing pe- uh, interpreters, and unless they're coda, unless they're coda, and I think that's too bad because because it's almost like in in the same way that certain hardcore feminists don't accept transgender women as women is it the same kind of thing no. like they're trying to get in on this well thing that is our thing kind it's of a kind, thing? there's a similarity to it only in that it's like here you are you're jumping into my world to make money off of it that's mm-hmm. that's the idea it's like you're, you're here in my world to make money off of it and you and you suck like 30 percent of the time what if they're doing it for free or some kind of non-profit nobody type does thing it or for something? free i don't know and they shouldn't do it for free right and can you say that only because you don't do this job anymore? Yeah. You made a lot of money doing it. You your pay were. I pay was well. Was I was well paid, and I was appropriately paid. Do you want to say? Yeah, I, I made by the time I quit. So I went from thirteen fifty, then freelancing. I went to twenty eight, and then I went up to fifty dollars an hour. That's fifty dollars an hour. Yeah. But by how the long way, were your days usually? Um, the longest days I would work would be six six hours. Uh-huh. And it wouldn't even be five days a week. I mean, at the at the height of making the most money I ever made was because of the webcam thing. Because that's the thing. I was getting paid $50 an hour. From webcamming. Was... You were making a lot from webcamming. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> if they would go private, then I would make even more. Yeah. But um, I was making <laughs> I was making 50 bucks an hour, but yeah, I was working was uh, like probably, you know, when I was freelancing, I was working 12 to 25 hours a week. You know, I wasn't making a lot of money. Then I went to... Um, webcam and because that's constant you know work then i was working i think 28 hours a week but i never worked a 40 hour week and i never it never i was never making like six figures when you were doing webcamming were you uh-huh. could people tip you yeah but no but really could they yeah they could tip you yeah if i would stick like a hairbrush in my asshole then i would no but there wasn't any tips no there's no tips <clears throat> mm-hmm. no no tips what, um, what, what, what if someone's being passive aggressive can you get that across yeah, you can get that across, definitely, for sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah, or sarcastic. Or yeah. Oh, you get sarcastic across. For sure. So you would speak in a sarcastic tone. Yeah. T- just in your regular voice. Yeah. Oh, great party. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Sorry, yeah. I'm actually, yeah. I, I, it just came to me, but that's the Art no, Parker joke. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, okay, yeah, great show last night. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you would. You would to. do it like that. Yeah. Interesting. Or when the person... What was the most difficult thing? Navigating fights or what? The most difficult thing about interpreting? Yeah. Um, well, I guess the ethical issues. You know, it would just get hard. No, calls. that wasn't hard. The I, that, boring I did parts that maybe? Tr- the stand. boring parts could be... The boring parts could be awesome too because, you know, some days you'd have a, a 12-hour day and all you do is sit around and read a book literally all day long. Well, okay. And you work when 10 you minutes. When you were translating for Bob, because 
maybe perhaps they weren't as conscious of things as much. I mean, of of things going around them, or you know, they they weren't <laughs> conscious of. You know what I mean? It just maybe gave me a memory. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, were you able to get away with looking on the internet more? With oh, them? for sure. So they would not. Beyond care. that, I think it's possible, and this is really bad. That like, if Bob would sigh, that I would interpret that as like, okay. Like, kind of trying to, like, end the conversation. Oh, wow. You know, like... Oh, wow. Well, you mean... Trigger You mean you were trying to end the conversation to Lisa or whoever, right? Yeah. Like, Bob uh, would go like... And I would go like, okay. Well, so you're yeah. trying to... Yeah. I mean, okay, so this is, like, so unethical funny. of you. Yeah. You're trying to help wrap up the conversation. Yeah, you were I think I might have done that. Wow, that is very funny. Yeah, I think that I might have done funny, that. Because I was just, like, I mean, going crazy, you know? <laughs> wow, that's funny. Is that what, I, what you were reminded of just now? Yeah. Yeah, that is funny. Uh, Okie dokie. Well, all right, well, okay, well. Uh, damn, it's been great. Okay, well, so so let me, here's the one I was going to ask you. Getting a peek into these different people's lives, you were getting different perspectives on life kind of. Yeah. So did that help you become a more compassionate person, empathetic person to sort of get these little splices of, slices of life um, and seeing the world kind of through these different lenses in a way did that have an effect on did that have a profound effect on you as a person i i mean inherent in interpreting sign language you're like yeah for sure because you're you're, you're dealing with people's triumph and with their with their you know lowest lowest moments you know and you're also just seeing very human qualities and fully exposed really yeah right I mean, that's the the dilemma as an interpreter is that you have a profound desire, especially as a t- interpreter with deaf parents. You have a profound desire to like help, and that's not your job. Your job is to interpret. Do you feel like it helped you more become more aware of nuances in in people and the way that people communicate? I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you feel like it helped enlighten you? Um. Is a you know, and did it help? Did it help you teach? Did it help teach you lessons about life? No, not really. I mean, the thing about interpreting for me is that you know I wasn't like in an exotic field. I was among my people. It's like as a person with deaf parents, it's like it wasn't like I was like. Well, you're in that field, but you are. But but these people's lives were exotic to you, kind of. You know what I mean? Or these people's lives that you were interacting with even if for brief moments were completely foreign to you, right? I guess. I uh, I never thought of it that you way. never thought of it that way, yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, did you feel like you there was any growing up that happened because of doing this job? Or that well, there you, definitely there was, some, was there but some... that was about a personal journey because it was, I started when I was 16, and eventually I had to figure out like, oh, I'm supposed to be like, it doesn't matter that I'm just good at sign language. I have to kind of be professional or I'm making these clients look bad. I would show up in like, you know, raver gear at first and just like interpret like in whatever I was wearing that day, like a wallet chain or whatever. And eventually like I started going like, oh, I should probably like grow up a little bit. And Well, okay, that's the job aspect aside though, or the job responsibility no, aside though. I, I, I understand the, what but, you're asking. But, yeah, but, but the, I, the different, the, just getting these, all these different pictures of people, these snapshots of people's lives and stuff. No, I don't think so because, you know... Did you relate to these other people? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say is like, I'm not just a guy, I'm not just a uh, an interpreter, I'm a client, mm-hmm. you know? I, <laughs> right, I, I, you're not just a hair, hair club member, you right. are I'm a client. <laughs> but it's like, I've been in, in situations where interpreters were interpreting for me my entire life, yeah. since way before I started interpreting. 
because my mom always needed interpreters. And when we would go to certain things or therapy appointments or there would be an interpreter there. So I didn't have a moment of like, wow, these people are really living this way. It's like, this is me. I, no, I'm not saying even living with, forget the deaf part of their life. I'm saying just whatever else is going on in their personal life, be it something happy or sad, were there things that you related to? When no. You didn't relate to them. Yes and no. I mean, it's like every... I mean, did you ever interpret for somebody who was maybe your age and going through something that you were going through in your own life? And I mean, I'm sure I had it with a guy. I was like, that guy's cool. But I never was like, ah, oh, the humanity. Did you ever want to be friends with somebody that you... No. Interpreted? No. What if someone has no arms? What do they do? Yeah. They're, it's pretty rough. Rough situation for that person. Facial expressions? I don't know what they do, honestly. Well, That's no, you bad. never got somebody with no arms? What or would they one, be doing? I mean, there's nothing arm? you can do. Well, no, yeah, one arm I've had. One one arm and, and two fingers I've had. Oh, wow. No arms? I mean, what can they do? I don't know. I don't know Did either. Did you ever judge people a lot? <laughs> I judge the hearing people a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. The ignorance of the hearing is unbelievable. It's well, unbridled. No. Oh, what do you mean by that? Just the way they treat deaf people, the way they talk to deaf people, the way they... I mean, it's just... It's crazy. The things that they think are appropriate to say to a deaf person, it's totally insane. Did you ever judge them on the way these people looked? What do you mean? Like if like someone that was dude wearing seems a, lame? a silly shirt or something like that? Or <laughs> no. Did you just think, oh, that guy's shirt looks so stupid or no. whatever? You know? No. So sloppy. Did you ever think, oh, that woman is really attractive? Or? Sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sure I definitely got a call where I was like, wow, that person's apartment is fucking really intense. Clean. Oh, but like hoardery? Yeah, kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Um, Okay, so leave us with a, oh, with a, with a fun story. It's my, funnest, my favorite funnest story of uh, sign language interpreting is one of the rules is, uh, one of the awesome rules is you go to a job, no matter how long it is, eight hours, t- you know, two hours, you wait for 30 minutes. And if at the end of the 30 minutes, the person doesn't come, you leave and you get paid for the entire job, mm-hmm. right? So that's awesome when you're like have an eight hour job and the client doesn't show up. You have an all day seminar, the client doesn't show up. You go to work at 10, you leave at 10.30, you get paid for the whole day, 50 bucks an hour, awesome. So one time I got a call to go do this community college and it was an eight hour day, all day of classes. You got $50 an hour at the live shows? At the live shows? Meaning the, the in-person yes. things? Yes. Okay, so I thought that was just webcam no. only. Okay, yeah. So um, so I, I got a call to go to eight hour thing and the first class was nude figure drawing. Mm. So I walk into the class I sit down, class starts, woman comes out, takes her clothes off, no deaf person, I'm sitting there, no easel, no paints, sitting in the front row for about a half hour, and then at about the 30 minute mark, I get up and walk out of the room and got paid like $300 to do that. So I got paid like 300 bucks to stare at a naked woman for a half hour. And I always think about her, like what did that nude model think? Like, why isn't he painting? Why is he leaving? Like, is he like, it's not even worth bringing out my paints. I'm out of here. What is it? What is an interpreter needed for that situation anyway, right? What do you mean? I was waiting for the deaf person who would have the paints. Well, what do they even need it? That, I mean, it's just this, this the whole situation doesn't even need speaking. I, maybe anyway. there was a lecture at some point. Uh-huh. But that was the greatest day of my interpreting life. You didn't want to stick in, you know, maybe put in another half hour. <laughs> and no, I had my fill. Uh huh. Well, thank you for uh, coming on the show and sharing uh, sharing with us. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, Donnie. Of course. Our guest has been Moshe Kasher. Uh, thank you to Donnie Devonian for being here as usual. 
you're good. Keep going. Our engineer is Aaron Bruntgart. If you like the program, you can go to iTunes and you can rate and review it. Um, you can also listen to the program on SoundCloud, and you can also find us on Facebook and also allthingscomedy.com. My name is Brent Weinbach. The name of the program is Pointed Questions. Thank you for listening.